Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. Welcome to the following on podcast. I'm John Norman alongside Steve Harmison looking back at all the action at Trent Bridge. Day one of the second test match between England and New Zealand. Thanks for joining us here on following on. So if you're joining us, you uh, no doubt know by now that uh, England won the toss and decided to bowl first. Well, didn't really work. New Zealand 318 for four at stumps. Mitchell 81 not out and Tom Blundell 67 not out. The two uh, really continuing where they left off at Lords. 195 partnership for the fifth wicket there and 149 unbroken here in Nottingham. It started out expensive for England. Young and Latham uh, going at quite a pace. It was a surprise when Young edged behind. For 47, the very next ball, Latham pulling a long hop from Anderson straight down the throat of mid-wicket. New Zealand, uh, 108 for two at lunch, 195 for four at tea. Again, they scored rapidly uh, and again, they lost uh, two quick wickets. Nichols, when set, edging a ball he could have left for 30 and Conway edging an in-swinger to Folks on 46. Four top order batsmen, all with starts, and none of them going past at 50. 169 for four, should have been 170 for five. Mitchell dropped badly by Joe Roots at first slip, went on three, and he made it count. Uh, Blundell was also given a reprieve, edging between um, Bairstow and Crawley. It was Crawley's catch late in the day, and the two are still there. 67 to Blundell, 81 to Mitchell, um, plenty to get our teeth stuck into here on the following on podcast. Story of the day. So, Harmy, story of the day, I would suggest, is um, a good fight back from New Zealand. But there'll be a lot of questions. We could talk about the fielding in a minute and the bowling. Um, but lots of questions over Ben Stokes' decision to bowl first, because looking to the right of me here at Trent Bridge, high in the gods on the seventh floor, in the media stand, it reads New Zealand 318 for four 
And that's not the scorecard that, that you want to be seeing when you've decided uh, to give uh, their batters first use of a pitch. Yeah, it's, I, I was I seen the team yesterday thinking they're going to, well, whatever happens, you bat first because, and I'm, I'm all for, I, I don't have a problem picking a team the day before and announcing all the technology and analysts that you've got from around the world. I don't think it's any unfair advantage knowing what you're going to play against the night before. Um, there, is it stubbornness to say, right, Jack Leach was our spinner when we picked our first squad for Lords, and then because he only ball, he was only part of the game for nine overs, he's now fit. We're going to stick with him, and this is what we do. We are. We're going to puff our chests out. We're going to we're going to back our players. We are 100 new regime. I might just bite them on the backside for the simple fact is. If you win the toss, you you are expecting to bowl the team out on day one, or you have you you win the game in the first innings if you win the toss and bowl first. And looking at the surface, there was a little bit of green grass, but all I heard throughout today, all the commentators, every single one of them to a man, because they've all been on the field and they've all seen the wicket close up, they all said this pitch is dry, this pitch is dry. So from that aspect. If you think the spinner's in the game, then you bat first. If you don't think the spinner's in the game and you want to both, or you, or you think there's enough in it to win the game on first morning or make early inroads in the game on first morning, you bowl first and the team you pick has not got a spinner in the side. Look, If your decision is to bowl first, Craig Overton had to play. Because you're basically saying, right, we're going to bowl you out and then we're going to bat on it as best we possibly can. So if we're going to bowl you out on day one, I, don't, I shouldn't, in theory, really need a spinner. And then if we're best batting on days two and three, when we're going to try and get a massive score, well, then Craig Overton plays instead of Jack Leach because that doesn't make sense. If you're picking your spinner because you think it's dry and you might come into the game day four and day five, you've actually bowled horrendously well or you've made the wrong decision. And I think, no, I wouldn't say it was all like that, because I didn't think England bowled badly today. I thought they worked hard. I thought they put the ball in some good areas. I just thought with drop catches, every other every other over, a four ball to release pressure. Fembridge is a very difficult ground to defend. You've seen in one-day cricket, John, we've seen in one-day cricket, the scores at Trent Bridge are massive. And that's because it's got a fast outfield. It's corners of the ground are very, very small and tight in sort of extra cover you know, in, in, in sort of mid-wicket areas. So it's a difficult ground to defend. So when New Zealand walk off 318 for four after being inserted, oh, Tom Lathan must be over the moon sitting there right now. I'm not sure he's over the moon. I think he's still probably spitting about his dismissal. Oh, yeah. It's just basically a rank long hop pulled down the throat of, uh, of mid-wicket. Um, going back to the Leach point you made, I wonder whether that was Brendan McCullum just saying, look, Leach, I've asked you guys to feel like it's the end of the world. Like, you know, we saw Jack Leach do exactly that, turning a four to a three and concussing himself and, and he's out the test match. You know, is McCullum basically saying, you know, it's unfair of a player to do exactly what I asked and then injure himself, um, you know, to punish him by dropping him for the second test match. I just wonder whether that was part of the ra- the rationale. But I also agree like you. And last night, the word coming out of the various Kiwi journalists I spoke to was that Patel wouldn't play here. New Zealand were going to go back to their strengths 
and they were going to go an all-seam attack. So as soon as you hear that, you think, okay, well, if they win the toss, they're going to bowl first. England, as you say, picked a spinner. They announced their team yesterday. So I thought to myself, well, whatever happens at the toss, whoever calls, New Zealand essentially will be bowling and England will be batting. So when Ben Stokes decided that that wasn't the case, I was uh, I was slightly surprised then, you know, and let's let's just bear in mind what happened in Mount Monganui last time these two teams, oh, you know, the time before these two teams lost met. 2019, Kane Williamson wins a toss and he puts England in. And England rack up 350 and you think that's a bad decision, Kane. But no, what Kane Williamson wanted to do was basically maximise the best conditions in the match. He knows Mount Monganui, it's where he's from. And so it proved. New Zealand come out to bat and they put in sharp focus that innings from England. They rack up 550 and they bowl England out on the last day. So they're back once. They, that's essentially their, their methods. I, I can't see that being the method here. I can't see Ben Stokes giving up 350 because he thinks England are going to rack up 550. Completely different pitch, different conditions. And I thought in that first session, you know, England let New Zealand get off to an absolute flyer with some pretty bad balls. You know, at one stage, I think they'd hit 26 falls um, inside the first three hours of play. England pulled it back a bit, but essentially they were very, very expensive. And I'd like you to tell me what what lengths were England trying to bowl in that first session? Because I couldn't quite work it out. I couldn't work out what the plan was. Yeah, they've been they've been accused and criticised in the winter for bowling too short and around that sort of seven metre mark. Um, and it loads they pulled it that little bit fuller. They did bowl it that little bit fuller. But again, comes back to the the decision you make at the toss. If you are going to bowl first, you're saying there's something in the pitch. And I just didn't think England got their, their lengths right. They were bowled, you know, a bit too short, which made. And it wasn't a quick pitch. It's a slow, slowish pitch, which will get quicker as the game goes on. Um, but we can talk about lengths. Um, we can talk about drop catches. I just thought in that first session, I thought even even the two great bowlers, not so much, not as much, not as much Jimmy, but Stewart, probably more. When you get told by your captain you're bowling first, you're going right five down by lunch. Seven down by drinks, middle session, all out by tea. Within 40 minutes of in the last session, all of a sudden, four, four, another four. And all of a sudden, you go and hold on, we have to bring this back here. How do we bring this back? And it looked as though the pressure was on the England bowlers to go and create chances. And the wicket didn't, I think it probably surprised Ben, Surprised the bowlers a little bit that it didn't do as much. It did it slowly. Um, I thought Stuart in the first session was a bit floaty, and you could see in the second session that it was a different broad. He he he, he back to the lens that he, he normally has, and that can happen. You can have a session where you know you, you you're trying to push it up there, but unfortunately because of the size he is, and I had this as well because of the size we are. When you try and bowl full, it just you just put it there. You don't bowl it there, and I think. Second session, he, he he did it perfectly. But it was a little bit after the Lord Mayor's show, the horse had bolted by then. So you're always trying to drag it back. Potts is in the infancy of his career. So it was it was down to a, a special spell between Stokes and, and Anderson to get it 
yeah, a little bit back on track with a bit of help of of New Zealand. But again, it comes back to you know the fact that we're reacting and we're not we're not ahead of the game. And unfortunately, I think there was a lot of muddled thinking in the last twenty four hours. And we've got to the position we've got to in that first session because of what happened for probably the 18 hours before that. You know, do we pick the spinner? Do we not pick the spinner? Do we go with four seamers? Do we bowl first? Looking at the surface, looking at the conditions, what are we, how are we doing? Are we trying to be loyal to Jack Leach because we've told him to go all guns in and, you know, and it's, and somebody just calming down and going, you know what? I don't think this is right. It should have happened in the winter in Australia. I can't remember the actual conundrum in the situation, but it, could, it should have happened in the winter. I remember sitting on the sofa on the TV studios half an hour before the toss and going, you know what? England have named their team last night, but if they had, if they had something about them, with the conditions that are around now and the swinging conditions, they'd drop the spinner and play the extra seamer. And that's what they should have done this morning. Brendan McCollum, Ben Stokes should have had enough in, enough about them to go. Do you know what? We're going to bowl first here, and it probably is not going to suit Jack. So Jack, come here. Sorry, you only bowled nine overs. We back you. I still think you're my number one spinner. But I'm not going to go in with a spinner today. I'm going to change my mind. Craig's going to come in, and we're going to play four seamers, and we're going to go out to New Zealand with a ball first up. And I think if they did that, I think you would have getting you might have gotten a different first session from England. I just think they looked a bit lost in that first session. And I think a lot of that comes down to the decision-making, whether it was team and toss. Yeah, it's, uh, they're all very, very good points. Um, you know, I found it a little bit strange that in that first test match of the summer, England caught everything. And <laughs> people were very quick to point to that some kind of Brendan McCullum effect. And I couldn't quite work out how you could do that. You know, you can't just take, you can't turn a fielding's, a fielding side's fortunes round that quickly. I think it's probably down to a, a few things. Excitement, uh, the fact that these guys are, they're not knackered. They're not six tests in. Then, you know, it's a fresh start and a bit of luck, to be honest. But you saw today, or at least I did. Don't know what you thought. But one of the mantras is, is that they changed the fielding, uh, the, the slip cordon. So the players, the, uh, the arc is more pronounced and the players are concertinaed a little bit closer together. And the mantra was, I'd rather two fielders went for the same ball and dropped it than neither go for it and it sails straight through. So, of course, what happens today? Zach Crawley jumps across Joe Root, drops a clanger. That would have that probably would have nestled quite nicely into Joe Root's two hands, basically, to his left. And then late in the day, of course, possibly with that in his mind, Zach Crawley doesn't go for a chance that goes to his right and it bisects second and third slip. That's cricket. That's just how it goes. But, you know, England won a good test match at Lords, but to come away from it suddenly thinking, hang on, all of their problems in the field and all have suddenly been, you know, rectified, I thought today just showed you that, that they haven't, essentially. They haven't, no. And it comes down to concentration as well. It comes down to message and concentration and the way things, and, and, and a lot of it is about luck as well. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. A huge amount of a huge amount of luck. He has Zach Crowley takes that catch in front of Joe Root, and then all of a sudden, New Zealand might get bowled out by the end of today. And that is that that would have been everybody saying what a great decision it was for Ben Stokes to be in to 
to bowl first. And that's the thing, and I've said this for the last year, year and a bit with this cricket team, that we're not one from 70, or we're not two from 18 because we're a bad side. We're two from 18 because we make bad decisions. And I think when I look at this first year, I think this probably typifies the England cricket team over the course of the last 18 months. We made a bad decision, possibly made a bad decision at the Tosson team, possibly made a bad decision at the Toss, and whether we, it was right to bowl first or not, you know, whether there's enough happening, and making bad decisions in the field, that then culminates into not bowling a team out for 250 and a team getting 400. And with the batting unit that we've got, with the frailties that we've got, if a team gets 250, we are got a great chance of winning a game because we'll match them and then we play a one innings game. If we don't get to, if we don't bowl them out for 250 and they get 400, all of a sudden our batters are in that dressing room going, we're one from eight, we're two from 18 because we can't get 250. So the, the psychological game of the numbers comes into the mind. Cricket is played in the mind. It's not played any other way than, especially at the highest level, between the, the left and right ear. And a lot of these things have come to fruition in the last, what, six and a half hours to what England's problems have been over the course of the last 18 months. It's all been psychological because we've made mistakes, made bad decisions, and that's culminated in teams getting a bigger score than we can possibly get, which puts pressure onto our batsmen because they know we can't get them numbers, because they know that we're under pressure. And the player and other teams play on that fact. And I think we can do a lot of good things by making good decisions. And unfortunately, in this last six and a half hours, we've made some poor, poor decisions. Hey, you talk about luck there. Um, consider this. Kane Williamson's ruled out of this test match because of COVID, right? Mm. Unfor- definitely unfortunate, no, no doubt about it. But there was another player who was ruled out of the New Zealand side, and that was Henry Nichols. Henry Nichols was going to play at Lords got COVID. So who came in for him? Daryl Mitchell. Daryl Mitchell wouldn't have played in this test series. Or, well, he might have played, but certainly he wouldn't have played at Lords if it wasn't for um, Henry Nichols getting COVID. Scores 108 at Lords. And here he is again today, 81 not out. And you talk about intelligent batting and he was fortunate. You know, he actually started walking off after he edged that ball to Joe Root. But essentially his game plan um, is clear. You know, the field comes in for him. There's, there's kind of like four field. He's played so straight. There's four fielders cutting off his scoring options straight in, straight uh, on the wicket. Essentially, he, he puts up with it. He gets past the first 20 balls, 30 balls, and then he starts to make calculated risks. You know, he smashed Jimmy Anderson for four, much like he did at Lords. And then when Jack Leach was on, he went big. You know, he hit him big downtown and it just spread the field. And as soon as the field was spread, he just took the singles. I thought he played really well today. Um, had a bit of luck, but credit to him. You could see the game plan. He played to the game plan. Uh, and he's obviously got a bit of competitive spirit from his dad because at no point has he looked overawed. And when you consider the scores when he's come in on each three occasions, he's, uh, he's done pretty damn well. Yeah, as I thought he played again, he carried carried on that partnership. He looks looks as though he enjoys batting with Blondel. And I think it's a partnership that works nicely because the player bowls differently. Yeah. Blondel likes to score square on the wicket. Mitchell, big tall man, hits it down the ground. 
Um, and he ate a beauty down the ground, which went straight into a pint of cider, which I thought was hilarious. Um, and fair play to the New Zealand side, because apparently they bought the lady, the lovely lady, another pint of cider. So, look, it's... I, I, and you mentioned that, and the points that you make, brilliant points, all valid. That's, you know, what you need to to solve. That's perfect summing up of, of the way that Daryl Mitchell played. And you talk about the element of luck. The element of luck of not ha- having Henry Nichols. Mitchell getting 100. Nichols comes back, obviously fit because obviously Kane's, Kane Williamson's injured. And you flip over the other side when things aren't going for you. Jack Leach plays at Lords, doesn't bowl very doesn't bowl if he bowls as the way he bowled today at Lords. Jack doesn't play England play four seamers, and we might have been talking about a different different situation. So look, it looked huge amount of luck to play um a huge part of it. Um I thought I thought Mitchell batted brilliantly. I thought his temperament was fantastic. Jimmy had a go at him a couple of times, and I know why Jimmy would be having a go at him. You have know, to try and take him out of his comfort zone. You had the great Jimmy Anderson, 170 test matches, having a go at you, see what you're made of. And I think the competitiveness that you mentioned about, you know, his father and sport and sport and life he's been brought up in, I think he just brushed that off to one side. And he had he had the the huge fortune of of being being dropped twice. Um once was a hard chance. It's a hard chance when when Joe off of uh, of Leach. Um, we try to parry it and, and get it down, but he, still, he's got a chance to make back-to-back hundreds in Test match cricket. That was Blundell. That's no, oh, that. Sorry, that was right, right. It was Blundell. I'm just I can't read my own handwriting. Um, <laughs> but he's got a chance to make back-to-back Test match hundreds, um, which is no mean feat, especially in England. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. Lol of the day. Well, the return of laugh out loud moment of the day, and you just mentioned it. It was hilarious, wasn't it? 
smiles yeah. all around Mitchell depositing Jack Leach into the um, that little it's a funny little stand which doubles up as a sight screen well, it's kind of like below the sight screen but part of it as well I was listening to Alistair Cook he said one of the reasons he never scored runs here he, he always used to annoy him um, but yeah it was a very funny moment wasn't it uh, hoisted up and high and the guy basically what happened is I think the guy in front of the lady holding the cider um, <clears throat> he obscured her vision he went for the catch it went sailed over his head and plopped straight into her pint. <laughs> it went everywhere. It was absolutely brilliant. Um, it reminded me of a very famous catch in the out in the ground, uh, Australia. It might have been Gilchrist. I'm not sure. He smashes one into the crowd and the guy catches it one-handed while still holding a pint. Yeah. <laughs> and then he well, finishes the pint yeah. and throws it back onto the crowd. But yeah, it was a funny moment, really funny moment. And then, of course, as you say, New Zealand team, nicest team in world cricket, of course. Their their balcony is very close to to there. It was basically it's the old pavilion, isn't it? Um, they had a little whip round because you know pints are pretty expensive these days, and uh, and bought a replacement. But it was a good moment, good moment in the day. It's a good moment, and it, the reaction of Potts was quite funny as well on the TV. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was signalling that the ball had gone into the pint. You know, the hand signals in. I remember like, we played the West Indies. Did we play the West Indies at Lords or at Edgebaston? And it was, it was a. There's a great picture of it. So ball's gone in. It's actually gone past me. I think I dived over it. I think I might have sort of harbour bridged it straight over underneath me. It's hit the rope, gone over the top of the the, the advertising horn. And literally, I think it's gone. There's a pint on the next to chair. It's gone straight into oh, the, yeah, the pint. Yeah. To which it's come back. I'm holding this wet, wet ball full of lager, and I've thrown it back in to the to the point the umpires are sort of dampening it down. And Mark Butcher and Andrew Flintov are just having a bit of a lick and a smell of the of the pint. There's a grab of the ball. There's a great um, there's a great picture of the two of them both with their tongues on the ball, um, and the ball obviously got it got replaced. So. Yeah, it's another. It was a. It was a another funny moment right in front of the the New Zealand New Zealand players, and it was actually a fantastic shot by Mitchell against um, Jack Leach, and it it was at a time where you know what I think England was starting to lose ideas. Jack was getting milked. Ball was trying to be changed as much as he possibly could. Yeah, it was. Stokes was Stokes was doing his best to Ben Stokes was doing his best to to sort of change the seamers and rotate to try and get something. I think it was going through a passage where Daryl Mitchell just really took the game by the scruff of the neck. Um, and he plunked the ball straight into somebody's pint of cider, which was, I think, I think that was just another kick in the teeth for England. Moment of the day. There was a, a big moment of the day today. James Taylor, the former selector, um, has uh, walked away from the role. Uh, you were on breakfast this morning, Harmy. You were asked about that by uh, Alan Brazil. Let's have a little listen to what you had to say. To cricket now is day one of the second test between England and New Zealand starts up in Nottingham today. But before we discuss that, matters on the pitch. Uh, James Taylor has left his role as England's head scout. MD Rob Key has spoken of his preference to return to the model of a national selector rather than leaving responsibility for selection solely to the head coach. The new selection team will work with England Test head coach Brendan McCullum and white ball coach Matthew Mott. Harmy, um, national selector, that would do you, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm not trying to get rid of you here, but that would do you, Harmy. Yeah, it's trying to get rid of me. No, I, I applied for the job um, about seven or eight years ago, 
Um, and it was quite quite funny actually because when I applied for it, it's as of like you apply for it, Ray, and you yeah. apply for it out. I got the same email back to say I hadn't getting it that you know anybody anybody off the street would have applied for it. Um, and then I I mentioned it to Michael Vaughan. Michael Vaughan then wrote it in his column, and the ECB you know at the time Paul Downton wrote me a, a handwritten letter of apology to say, look, we didn't th- we basically didn't think it was you. Um, it is something that interested me then and I, I would be interested now for the simple fact is as a selector you've got a chance to help and change and you know be a part of something special and do you have to watch work with a head coach or i think or you simply got to be your own man i think you've got it's a little bit of both you have to be your own man because there's things that you see that the head coach doesn't see but you've also got to work with the head coach to find out what the head coach is um, how he wants his team to be set up and the players that he's looking for in that environment. And mm. then as a, as a selector, you go and you go and give him, you give him options or you, you try and find a way of, of, of working together to get um, the best possible team. Hammy, on this the... is not a hand grenade. It's not a loaded question, yeah. but um, was James Taylor, was he strong enough? Was he his own man? Um, I thought he did a good, I thought they did a good job in, Look, it was a difficult one for James Taylor because he came in as a as a basically a number two alongside Ed Smith, and Ed Smith um, had a fallen out with one or two of the senior players, and then when the top job got changed, um, Ed Smith obviously he brought the brunt of of the wrath of of not being Ashley Giles's man, um, and he got he got. He basically got sacked, um, or he got asked to to, to leave the uh, the role as head selector. And I thought James Taylor did a good job. White ball cricket, England did very well. Struggled in red ball cricket, but we mentioned about COVID before. But there's only so much you can do as in, in the job that James Taylor had from a scouting point of view, because the head selector at the time was the coach. And I think Rob Key's done the right thing by going back to selectors who aren't in the, the sort of the goldfish bowl of, 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 of the group. Um, and you can get out and see some. We've got some fantastic young players in this country. Mm. Um, and I think it's, it's now important that they have different eyes to, to, to help get to the best conclusion, which is the best England cricket team. So from that point of view, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how it goes. I'd be interested to see who goes in at the top. Um I think Rob Key will probably have his eye on somebody that's going with a, you know experience of being in a in a managerial role. Um but it'll be it'll be interesting to see how you know how it plays out. But it's and something, your relationship with Rob's pretty good isn't that's, it? that would be my problem. That would be my problem when you asked me would I be interested in it. I couldn't. I could never go to Rob Key and ask and, and apply for a job because of my relationship with him. He's one of my best mates in life, and I right. would never want to put him. I would never want to put him in that position. If he turned around to me and said, "Harmy, look, I've got a job here. I think you'd be good at." Not a problem at all. I go to the other end of the world for him because he's done that for me. But. Um, it's it's always something that's intrigued me the the selecting role because you've got a chance to shape cricket in this country. It's a bit like it's a, it's a bit like helping you know, the England manager or being. It's not being an England manager. It's not. There's no role like that in football, but you can help shape the destiny of the team by identifying players, which will make that little bit more of a difference. Um, if somebody gets injured, losses form, or you know mm. you, you're trying to sort of take the team in a different direction. Is it is it similar to football? The academies, um, cricket, or is not, that getting better? It's one. 
really, it's probably one role in. It's probably one role in cricket which probably isn't in football. You could probably say it's like, it's not like an assistant manager, but it's it's some if. Uh, you are basically a scout, a head scout. Mm. You know, you're you're going to watch a player because the, the coach can't watch him, the manager can't watch yeah. him. But you go also going with the fact that the manager's telling you, "This is the brand of cricket I want to play. This is the brand of football I want to play." Does he fit into he this? Fit in? yeah. And if he does fit into it, well, there's three or four here. Which one do we go with? And then, you know, you you give your recommendation, and then yeah. ultimately, the captain. I've always believed the captain has, should have the final say on the. On the, on the team because he's the one that's got to go on the field and, and, and yeah. make all the decisions going to hear from Ben Stokes just a quick one about Goffey have you spoke to Goffey lately because they've, they've done alright a couple of messages so far, with him a couple of messages with him yesterday I had Yorkshire's under 14s up at Ashton playing against my son um, typical Yorkshire very noisy young men um, but no Goffey's going well there's it, it a rocky period at, at, at Yorkshire at this minute in time because six of the guys who were sacked when the whole thing as in Rafiq thing really sort of hit the headlines properly. They've won the case. They've well, they've, they've been a, had positive news of the case of, of unfair dismissal. So I think that'll be something that two steps forward, one step back with Yorkshire. Um, and hopefully Goffey, as usual, he's taking it in stride. But they've had a great start. What is going to happen tomorrow? Okay, Harmy. So 318 for four New Zealand. Similar situation. I, mean, I suppose the England bowlers will only have to look back to Lords because at the end of day two, start of day three, Mitchell 97 not out, Blundell 90 not out. The score 236 for four New Zealand and they bowled them out for 285. So there you go. Just do the same thing. Do you think that will happen here at Trent Bridge? Yeah. And we've seen, we've seen magical spells here at Trent Bridge especially from, from Stuart Broad. They're going to need something magical. Um, you talked about what happened at Lords, and yes, it was magical, but they're a little bit further ahead in the game for me in this. And anything with a four in front of it, I think it's too much for England with the batting unit, the way England's batters are. There'll be a huge amount of pressure on Joe, a huge amount of pressure on Ben, especially Ben having bowled possibly by that time 20 overs. And that knee, I think there was a. I think he did nearly miss this game. Um, if you, if the reports were right before the, before he announced the team, I think there was a, a question mark on that knee whether he'd be participating with the ball. Um, so I think if New Zealand go on and get another hundred runs from here, I think. England will be staring down the barrel of trying very, very hard to save the game because I don't think they'll be able to win it from there because history in the last 18 months, two years, tells us that I'm not sure England, even batting twice, can get 650, 700 runs to force a result and a positive result in the game. So it'll all be down to mentally whether they can save the game if New Zealand get 425, 450. Well... The uh, second new ball is six overs old. Uh, England and New Zealand will be back uh, for day two. And the following on podcast will do the same. Myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, following the action at day two uh, or on day two at uh, Trebridge. And this second test match is all poised up quite nicely. Uh, let's see how many New Zealand get and where England are at stumps following play.
The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you're keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 